I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Let me give a brief introduction, if I could, to this message. For I know that very quickly, when you understand the subject, that for some of you that are missing out on some of God's greatest blessings are going to have a temptation to turn me off. I uh, was watching television this week, uh, about 9 o'clock in the, in the evening, and uh, I find myself oftentimes going to the religious stations and just kind of seeing what God's doing all over the world. There's so many programs. It's, it's kind of interesting how at the end of a lot of them, they say this broadcast was paid for, you know, like all the rest of them aren't. All right, but a lot of TV stations are ashamed of the gospel. They don't want anybody to think they believe what you've just heard. But uh, at turning through the channel, I noticed a great number of times I felt like the Lord was being embarrassed by what he was hearing. Because the subject today I'm going to talk to you about is the security of eternal investments. And when you think of the word investment, you ought to be thinking as part of that is about money. So right there, I've just lost you. I listened to these plant seeds until I almost had to go take some medication. That if I would send them $1,000, I would be blessed. And I thought, is that really what the Scripture teaches is that really what giving is all about? The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. The Bible says we're to be givers and not takers. And we're to be sowers of the word, but not in order to reap a profit, but rather in order that the gospel could get out to the uttermost part of the world. Now, knowing that many people will be watching right now on the Internet and watching on television, I... Uh, want to just quickly, and to our guests that are here today, who, by the way, at the end of this service, I want to give you a beautiful family Bible to take home with you so you'll remember your visit. So I want you to come over here to our hospitality room. I'll be there personally to shake your hand, give you the Bible, and uh, you'll be on your way. But I want all of you to know that are watching uh, a little bit about the uniqueness of Sagemont Church here in Houston, Texas. If you're sitting in an auditorium, you may have something like this right in front of you, you're supposed to, that tells you some of the details about what this church believes about money. If you're here in this auditorium and you're waiting for the offering plate to be passed, it will not be passed. Uh, we're not going to beg you for money. We're just going to try to bless you with God's Holy Spirit present in this place. Here at Sagemont, we are a church, if you will, again, look at this brochure in front of you, that last year our church had the privilege to give 30.4% of its income to others because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We had an opportunity to support 51 different mission ministries around the world, all of which, listen to me, all of which we checked on their finances and what they're doing with the money that they receive. That's very important. What is happening? What is going on? And so we have found this, and through Jonathan Morrison, our 
the one that leads our mission ministries and his phenomenal team, they have been able to point us in the direction as to how we should go. If you're a guest today, we owe nobody anything except God. This, everything you see is paid for by Almighty God, by blessing his children. And God has given so much to so many of us. We're not all blessed with money, but we're all blessed with blessings. And it's better to be healthy than it is to be rich. It's better to be alive than it is to be dead. It is better to go about doing good than being afraid of who's going to knock you in the head next week. God's Word is very clear on what I'm going to teach you today. I hope you will listen. I've had an opportunity to preach for over 60 years. I was trying to figure it up the other day, maybe 8,000 times I have preached. Uh, I know, I know how the world thinks and the religious world thinks. I know about professional Christianity. I've been very close to a lot of that. So I come to you today with a lot of passion that God would lead me to help me share truth with you today so when you go out of here or when you turn your television to another station that you will understand that there's nothing more that God represents in himself and wants us to be than to be a giver. I took great joy with Dr. Jim Hastings this week in being at the New Flight Museum when the Harvey heroes were recognized and it was shared with the mayors of the many cities, congressmen, United States congressmen, the governor was our speaker, as our local paper, who's owned by a wonderful lady who is not a Baptist, she is a Catholic, Marie Fleckinger, as she got up and shared with all of those folks that were there the generosity that Sagemont Church shows and has shown for more than a half of a century all the way from the Harvey heroes to the Lutheran school coming and taking occupancy of our campus in order that those kids, 800 of them, could continue their education. And tomorrow, Southwestern Seminary, free of charge to them, will open this campus as to being the Houston campus of the seminary. And we are blessed to be able to provide that. That's what happens to giving. That's what it's all about. It's not give God a dollar and get a hundred dollars. It's not sowing a seed and your only purpose is so that you can get money and get rich. Let's see what the Bible has to say, all right? Now I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And by the way, for those of you that are watching on television, when you call in today, no one's going to ask you for money. We are going to give you a free gift that's a blessing for us to give it to you. So don't be afraid to call and pray for us as we move forward in the ministry, as we're going to be praying for you. Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 6, familiar to most believers that are those that study the Scripture. Verse 19, our Lord speaks, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now listen to this sentence from our Lord. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
All of us have been blessed by God. All of us have a treasure, a spiritual treasure that's been given to us by God. It is not always dollars. Just to be able to be who you are in Christ, the spiritual gifts of teaching and helps, and to be able to go about doing good because God has put you where he's put you, given you the job that you have, not so you can provide for your family, but so you could be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. And so when we look at the scripture, you're going to find one thing true. God wants the investments we make to last through eternity. How many times do you hear these words, fellow senior adults are soon to be? Number one, we are saving for our retirement. You're what? We are saving for our retirement. Oh, is that the only reason that God needs to give you money so you can retire? Or could you be preparing yourself to be able to give a word, a look, and a touch, and whatever for all the days of your life? Could God be blessing you for that? Because I think God's more in wanting you to serve than he is for you to retire. Now, some of you don't feel that way, but when you're broke, you will understand that you should have thought that way. I hear other people saying, we're putting away our money for retirement. That's another phrase all the time. I'm putting away, we're putting away, putting away, putting away. No, you don't want to be putting away. What you want to do is find out what God's word teaches and do what he says. And you know what? We used to sing an old song, God will take care of me. God will take care of you. Remember that old chorus? Every day, night and day, through the storm, God will take care of me you but I'll let you in on a little secret are you listening to me if you're a believer if you're not a believer God wants you to be a believer if you are a believer then what I want you to know is that God wants to invest himself in his kids in order that we as his children can reflect the heart of God as long as we live let others see Jesus in, what's the last word? In you. Not in others, in you. That you are the one that people can look at and see Jesus in you. And want to be not like you, but like him. God's children are to reflect the heart of God. And the heart of God is clearly, clearly revealed in John 3, chapter 16. But God always, always blesses those that invest their life and their possessions in the kingdom of God. Always, always, always. God is not turned on by somebody that feels like their theology leads them to have better uh, opportunity to get rich than the lottery. Rather than buy a ticket at the lottery, then just plant a dollar and hope to get a thousand or, or whatever. And so as you think with me about what God chooses to do with you, let me tell you, anything that comes into my life and anything that comes into your life, we've got a choice is what we do with it. 
If we have 24 more hours to live, we've got a choice what we're going to do. If we have an opportunity to do something, say something, give something, we don't know what another day is going to bring. But as we determine and make our decision, it will affect our joy or our sorrow all the rest of the days of our life. How many times have you heard, I wished I would have? I wished I had. Now, it's Tuesday. I wished I'd have bought that property. If I'd have bought that property, I'd be rich now. Probably not. If that's what you bought it for. But we live in that culture. Now, we as Christians, we're not out of here yet. By the way, we're still citizens of the nasty now and now. I love to talk about the sweet by and by, but I'm still living in the nasty now and now. And so I have to think about where I am and what I'm going to do with my life here. Now, there's a lot of heaven on the way to heaven, but this isn't heaven. And if the temperature gets much higher, <laughs> I'll have another sermon. <laughs> but you know what? God makes it clear to his children that he will protect us and he will give to us whatever we need as long as we're committed to obey him. He will. He does not give us stuff to get our will. He gives us stuff so his will can be done. See, God knows who he can flow his love through, his knowledge through, his money through. He knows who that is. He also knows those that want to lay up treasures on earth so that their kids can fight over it when they die. He knows all of that. But in the midst of this, in Malachi 3 at 11, here's what the Scripture says in God's Word about the subject I'm talking about. Malachi 3, 11. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know what the Lord says about the, fo the faithful follower of the Lord? I will take care of everything you have. Your body, your, your finances, your environment. I will take care of you. I will take care of you. But I expect you to walk in my obedience. Now, back in the days of Israel, the 10% tithe came. And, uh, and it was used for, that we see in Scripture for many purposes, all of which were good. They were used for the widows, the orphans, the poor, the hungry, the sick. God wants us to love the poor people. It's just hard to find where they are and who they are. I was in a situation yesterday. I stopped not very far from where I'm standing right now. And there were two people standing. The light was red. And they were... Obviously, they're needing help. There was only one problem I had because I love to help people that need help. This whole church is about that. Dr. Jim Hastings and the Phenomenal Helping Hands Ministry is unsurpassed in any church in the world. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I've had two authors of two books coming out contact me in the past week that are going to tell the Stagemont story about the generosity of this church. But let me tell you something, folks. 
It bothers me when I stop at a traffic light and I have two people with cell phones in one hand, cigarettes in the other hand, and tattooed from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet and want me to help with the cause. I'm not interested in that. But my heart goes out to empty my pocket when I find people that need the love of Jesus. And it is to come through me. That's the kind of giving we're supposed to do. But we are so caught up. We are so messed up. If you could get the Christians out of the lottery lines in America, that thing would disappear. <laughs> and many are standing there thinking, because they're a Christian, God's going to let them win the lottery. Because you're a Christian, you'll probably never win the lottery. <laughs> I remember one guy that won the lottery, said he gave most of it to the church. I also know he ended up in prison. So I don't know what this real story is behind that guy. But I do know what? That God is looking for people he can trust his wealth to. Those that will do with it what he wants done with it. Those that will be a little bit suspicious about paying $100 for something they can see for free. Those that are not willing to try to beat money out of others by taking what God gave you and bet it so you can win more of the world's money in order for God to get more money. No, I, he's not into that. According to the scripture. 1 Timothy 5, 6. He that lives in pleasure is dead while they live. Now, that's what we have today. We've got a nation full of rich, angry, sad, bitter, depressed people. Why? Because they refuse, absolutely refuse, to take what they have and do what Jesus would do if he was in their place. But that's what we're supposed to do. God promises to reward those where they choose to tithe or how they want to figure the math. But here's something I do know. Every giving experience ought to be a worship experience. Every time you write a check or make a gift, you need to spend some time, Lord, this is your bank account. Am I doing what I should do? Is it too much? Is it not enough? Is it to this or should it be to that? That should help your prayer life. You know, the book of Proverbs is known, Bible teachers, as the book of wisdom. You agree with me? Say I. It's a book of wisdom. All right, let's read from that book if we could. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, what does that scripture say? You say, well, I never knew in the seminary. I don't know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can I get an eight-year to come over from the children's building for just a moment and help me with this? That scripture says, honor the Lord with the first fruits and watch what happens. And ladies and gentlemen, here in this auditorium, if I could stop right now and turn this into a testimony time, you wouldn't get out of here by next Sunday. Of people that sat right where you're sitting today robbing God of his tithes and offerings, believing that you are being wise in doing that because of the selfishness of your own life, and they will tell you that when the day came that God took over the company, when God took over the job, when God took over the income, that God began to bless as long as they were using it for what he wanted it to. But when they became hoarders of wealth, then something bad happen. 
But I tell you what, it's a whole lot more fun to walk with God every waking moment and say, Lord, what do you want to do? You're holding the bank book. You're holding the pocketbook. Lord, what would you have me to do rather than go by law 2,000 years ago? It's just fun. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And the longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. Several of you know that for the last about three months, I've been picking up pennies. Everywhere I go, every day, I look for a penny. I'm almost 100%. I'm not quite, but I'm about 83%. All right? Why am I doing that? Because I like to pick it up and read on there where it says, In God we trust. And God seems to think, not that I need the penny as much as I need the reminder. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Well, I want to make a wise investment. You know how to do that? Just walk with God. And when the decision comes, Lord, what would you have me to do? Buy it or not buy it? Do it or not do it? Spend it or not spend it? What would you have me to do? And the first thing you know, you have a relationship with the Lord. And watch out now. This may scare some of you. When you start doing what he tells you to do for long, you're doing it without him telling you. Weren't you glad when your children learned some of those kind of things? You didn't have to tell them what to do all the time. And finally, you trained them to tell the truth. Give. Do whatever. What a day that was. What a day that was. You know, for most people to invest money, it's almost impossible. They can't do it. They're too impulsive. They believe everything they see. They want to make sure they have something bigger and better than everybody else. <laughs> and they can't handle financial blessing. All you got to do is read the result of the winners of the lottery and see what happened. The winners, they can't handle it. But I'll tell you what, and I know a bunch of them. I love old preachers, and I am one now, I guess. That must be the reason that I love them so much. <laughs> but our church is the largest supporter of the retired pastors or their widows in America by leaps and bounds, more than any other group of those 1,800 pastors. Many of them never made $500 a month, and they or their widows or both of them are living and many of you support that, as I do, and have adopted some. And everywhere you go in Baptist life, they know there is a people in Houston that will never see us, those, those folks. And every month, they receive that check, just as regular as a Social Security check. And that's what God does. That's what God does. Have you ever had anybody tell you the good news about whatever, about money I'm talking about now, material things? And here's what they say. I was so lucky. <laughs> well, and then if you go to church, you say, I was so blessed. <laughs> well, how do you know you're blessed? Because I got a lot of money. So what? What have you done with it? Well, I've worried about it. <laughs> I watch the stock market every day. I, I'm worried, you know, what's the president going to do? What's the Congress going to do? What's everybody going to do? I'm just worried, 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 worried. Let go and let God. Amen. Let go and let God. Let God direct your path. He says, if you'll trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. 
Bottom line of the scripture is to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, that's all I ask, is to be like him. God owns it all, so he's not against wealth. But he is against whether it's little or great, the what you do with it. And when God can find people that will trust him, he'll open the windows of heaven and pour them out a blessing. I know that John 3.16 is by far the greatest verse of scripture that we've ever collectively known because most everybody can, can repeat that precious few words. But look in John 3.16. God the Father gave his son. His son gave his life that we might be heirs of God and join heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen. Think about that. I'm a child of the king. Well, I wish my mother and daddy was rich like yours. If your father is art in heaven, he's rich. In houses and lands, he holds the whole world in his hand. He is able, and I am also talking to many of you that know he's a pretty good doctor. Because when your doctor says no hope, he says, just watch it, Bubba. And you're alive today. And I can call you by name. I don't have time, and you wouldn't want me to. But Jesus holds the world in his hand. He holds the world in his hand. And he doesn't have to have your Medicare. Don't worry about it, okay? God will take you with or without Medicare. I had my first experience a few weeks ago of not being received for a hearing check because I had Medicare, even though I had other insurance just because I had the stuff they weren't going to see me. That's another story, but I'm telling you that's the reason I don't trust the system. I trust this system. I know these ears hear stuff that God wished I wouldn't hear. So maybe I don't need to hear it all, all right? I know that some of you are talking ugly about me, so I just want to be careful, all right? But you know what God the Father says? He makes it real simple. He said, just be like my son. Just be like my son. Well, what do you mean? Just be like my son. Well, Jesus taught us to give to the poor. And he says, if we'll give to the poor... We'll have treasures in heaven. But here's what I know to be a fact. God flows his wealth through his children. Paul spoke to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 16. For we're laborers gathered with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. Another builds theirs, their own. But listen to this sentence. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid in Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he has built, whereupon he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall, shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not 
that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Very simply, it simply says, you invest in God, it'll be a good investment. So how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? How do we lay up treasures in heaven? How do we do that? Well, one day, our Lord spoke to a rich young ruler, Matthew 19, 21. Here's what he said. If you'll be perfect, go and sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. You see, he's saying, I want to flow my wealth through you. I want you to be blessed. I want to read you a story real quickly. Listen carefully. The name of this that I have cut out to share with you this morning is how is God multiplying the money of a family? David Green's life was shaped by fierce faith of his parents. His father was a pastor in rural churches across many states. This meant moving every two years. He can still hear his father's voice crying out for his children and for the lost people in his various communities. His family never had a car, and they were often in need of food and clothing. David watched as God provided for these needs through the generosity of others giving to his parents. They were known, his parents, as the most generous people that he had ever known. And as David grew older and started his business, he began to be concerned that America had lost the truth that made it great. He considered the spiritual legacy that was given to us by people who have gone on before us. He realized that wealth is more than money, that wealth is found in our families, and that that part of his family's legacy was going to be the joy of giving. One day, David considered the truth that we can never outgive God. At that point, it seemed that God nudged him and said, Well, you've never really tried. From then on, his adventure in giving has really taken off. As David and his family gave money to advance the work of the Lord, God prospered their stores. Today, David and his family own 750 large Hobby Lobby stores in 47 states. They have over 33,000 employees. Their annual sales are of over $4.5 billion. It's the largest chain of stores of its kind in the entire world. In their hearts and minds, they have dedicated their stores to God. He's a true owner, and as part of their stewardship, they give one half of the prophets to the Lord. Recently, David wrote a book which explains in detail how they tried to outgive God. The title says it all, giving it all away and then getting it all back again. Now don't run out and to Hobby Lobby. It's closed. <laughs> you know why it's closed? Because this is a day the Lord's made. David Green and his wife and his employees know, and his customers, you and me know, that that exists not for the Green family to get rich, but for the kingdom of God to get blessed. Amen. And when you hear the music and you see what's for sale, they don't have to go to the junk of this world. 
They just be what God wants them to be. Now, don't you go out of here and say, well, the preacher told us all to start a store. <laughs> Why am I reading that? Because Mr. Kathy is in heaven. He started the same story. Don't run out and get a Chick-fil-A today. They're not open. You know why they're not open? Mr. Kathy told me personally, because I want my families to be free to go and worship the Lord if possible. Now, that's the real world. While you watch all of these superheroes every day are going down, the biggest names in my growing up year are falling like flies in many cases. God will take care of his kids. And God is looking to and fro throughout the whole earth, and that includes where we are, even as far as Bay Cliff, where I live, all right, to show himself strong in behalf of a people whose heart is perfect toward him. Why can't we look and say, Lord, use me. Bless me so I can bless others. Trust to me, but tell me what to do with it. And whatever you do, make sure that you're included because I want to flow your well through me and through others and ultimately back to you so that it'll flow through someone else in the next generation and keep it going until the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And we will be forever with the Lord. What we want to hear is not, I sure was lucky, but I was blessed in my sickness, in my health, in riches or in poverty, in my joys and in my tribulations. When I was young, middle-aged, senior adult, until I drew my last breath, God lived in my life. I think that's the prayer of every single one of us. The four-letter word that'll change your life is G-I-V-E. Philippians 2, 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. Jesus Christ came in a manger and became King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I close with seven sentences. Number one, final thoughts, final consideration. And they're up for your consideration. These are not demands. This is something I want you to consider. Number one, give an offering to the Lord every week. Number two, prayerfully determine how your assets can go further to spread the God's kingdom. Number three, give something to those who may not be able to give it back. Number four, put your hope in God, not in your possessions. Number five, give generously in anticipation of gaining more of Jesus. Number six, simplify life now and see what God does for you in the future. And finally, and most important, Give your life to Jesus Christ today and discover God's plan for your future.
the baptism you saw earlier of our wonderful Brother Worth. I think 84 years old. He's a different man. And he's one of the most faithful attenders and members of Sage My Church in the last decades. But he got it right with God. Now that's a great example, folks. That is a great example. But it's not as good as Jesus. For God so loved the world. Say it with me and we're through. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now finish this sentence. Well, I'm going to say it and you repeat it. I'm through. I'm so glad I'm a part of the... <laughs> I'm so glad I'm a part of the kingdom of God.